Hey, it's Richie, and before we start the show, we have a brand new sponsor here on the Hockey Podcast Network. And if you're outside of the state of Arizona, right now, go to your phone, download the DraftKings app now, and you can use the promo code THPN to get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the weekend. That's promo code THPN to get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Of course, DraftKings not quite legal in the state of Arizona. So, for our out-of-state listeners, we want you to take advantage of this deal. Because, of course, UFC is coming up this weekend. Conor McGregor returns to the Octagon against Dustin Poirier. It's a massive matchup. And DraftKings wants to give our non-Arizona listeners a free shot at millions of dollars. And if you haven't tried it yet, it's pretty easy. You're just going to pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points And you can do it all at DraftKings, DraftKings DraftKings.com. Go download the app if you're outside of the state of Arizona. Promo code THPN. I'm Corey Crenshaw. I'm Richie Suave Flores. And this is Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. On the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome back in Sporting Nation. Your Coyotes are 1-0 and 1 as of today when we are recording on Saturday nights. And uh, it's quite nice because the Coyotes had a great game today. It's nice to just finally see some hockey again. Although I was just watching ASU hockey play um, Wisconsin and it was some of the biggest garbage I have seen in a very long time. So um, I'm glad at least one of the teams looked really solid today. And um, we would love to talk to you guys about it because I know you guys are pretty amped to hear some actual game talk. So um, we might as well get right into it. Introducing, of course, as always, my wonderful and amazing co-host who was too sweet today to give um, a really nice shout out on Twitter to me, Richie Suave Flores. Hello, Corey. Now... I have, uh, I'm a little bummed today because, as you know, the Rams lost to the Packers on Saturday, so their season's over, so I'm a little bummed about that. Uh, didn't expect them to win the game, so, uh, but they still had a good season. Didn't expect them to win a playoff game this year, so I'm glad that the Coyotes' performance was able to, like, kind of make up for... The fact that the Rams lost, but it was nice to finally have some regular season hockey back and the Coyotes be entertaining to watch in both games. And I feel like through the first two games, we are seeing a Coyotes team that is playing like pretty much up to their standard in which we think they could be playing at and they're playing really really well through two games yeah I mean it was really nice to see it was funny because you had mentioned a few times on Twitter about how a lot of the things that we had been mentioning that we needed to see out of this team we were getting to see which 
um, doesn't happen very often, as we all know as Coyotes fans, that um, we we want a lot and we expect a lot, but we don't always particularly see it. Um, it was nice to finally see the product that Bill Armstrong has been trying to kind of piece together with these like tiny little pieces that he's been throwing into this Um to see that finally come together and be able to be that product to be seen on the ice. Um, you know, he, he worked in kind of changing this team up and making it a lot less vanilla, you know, that kind of the way it was before when Chaika was there and it was just, it lacked some depth to it. And the fact that, um, you know, he had kind of provided and, and not depth in the fact of, you know, um, talent wise, but depth in the, in the fact of, talent and um and grit wise so he was able to put that in there and it was funny because that was one of the the things that was mentioned on on our twitter today was about um how people liked the um the keller pitlick brassard line which was it which i said is, is a good combination if um if clayton keller produces if he's put in the position where he has to be the person who produces and and they are there to give him the you know he just doesn't have he's more of a playmaker and he he I wouldn't necessarily say finesse I guess kind of um he's on his way to being a more of a finesse player but he he doesn't have that space and he needs to have that space and that open ice in order to be able to do that and that's what those two can provide for him so it's funny that that actually got uh, brought up today because um, I think that's definitely something to look at going forward um, because it is an opportunity for Keller, I think, to reach his full potential. But I think the biggest storyline coming out of these two games is the fact that we are actually seeing production out of people that we were saying we needed to see production out of early because of the fact that it's a shortened season. So getting confidence and getting those early goals under your belt is a big fucking deal. And I mean, the first game in particular looked kind of rough. It was sloppy and it started out really slow for them. I mean, it it was to be expected because of the fact that you are starting the season so abruptly. You don't really get the same, um, same time going into this season as you normally do. Um, so it's it obviously was going to be a little bit sloppy, but it just, it did not look good until you got to about midway through the second period. And they had a lot of very strong um, offensive, offensive zone time, but they're, they weren't able to bury it. So it was really nice to be able to see them come into the second game and have a lot of the faces that you wanted to be scoring those goals, actually being able to find back in the net. And, Chief among those is, of course, Phil Kessel, who got the goal with 3.2 seconds remaining in the opening game on Thursday to send the, the game to overtime. He had two goals in game number two. So he leads the league in goals right now, if, believe it or not, with three. He's got three points in two games for the Coyotes. And Phil just looks different than he did last year he looks more engaged he looks like the Phil Kessel of old that is the guy that you can go to and let him make plays because he scored 
in three different ways, right? I don't remember a time last year where I saw Phil Kessel intentionally get dirty into the crease to score a goal like he did to tie the game up on on Thursday. When you saw that, I think that was the first inclination that we were getting a different Phil Kessel this year. And he scored that goal. He scored a beautiful backhand goal on Saturday. That That's what Phil Kessel does. In my opinion, that was the prettiest goal we've seen Phil Kessel score since he became a Coyote last season. And when Phil Kessel's going like that, I feel like it's contagious. Phil got the, the Coyote pelt on after Saturday night's game, and he was talking after the game about, like, he was like, you know, last season, I was bad last season. I didn't feel good last season. I had a little, I was a little banged up last season, but I never felt right. And he was like, I feel good now. And and you saw that on the ice. And, look, Phil Kessel's not going to put up a goal per game pace. But, you know, if he even just gives, like, I mentioned this on Twitter, mentioned it a couple times last year, like, give me 25% more production out of Phil Kessel this year. And I think that's then becomes contagious down the entire lineup. And then you're looking at a team that should easily be able to make the playoffs with that kind of production. And let me read a quote from from Rick Tockett here on Phil Kessel because he's talking about um, confidence. And Tockett said this. He said, when top scorers get goals early, you start to feel it and you get hot. I've seen Phil get hot for stretches two to three weeks at a time. So hopefully it's really one of these times where he really gets hot for us. And I feel like that, this is the start of that happening because I saw somebody on, on Twitter point this out. Actually, it was Jody Ayler with Fox Sports 910. Phil Kessel did not score in back-to-back games at all last year, and he's done that to begin the season. And when you get, like we've talked about a lot, Corey, when you get that buy-in that's been happening these first two games, Rick Tockett mentioned it on Thursday, it's just contagious. And when things are contagious for this team on the ice in terms of production – you start to get hot, you start to feel good, you get that confidence going, and this team just becomes a different team like we saw in through the first 45 games of last season, like we saw in the that series against Nashville. I felt like their confidence was good and they were getting a lot of production from a lot of players. And this is the kind of start you want, but, and we'll get to this later on, you got the biggest Golden Knights coming up right around the corner, and that's going to be their first big test. But, yeah, what did you think of Phil Kessel's game? Doesn't he, does he not look like a different Phil Kessel than last year? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it has to be mentioned in the fact that he was probably playing only at about 70% for a good portion of the season because he was injured. Um, there was an injury that they didn't really talk about, and then it kind of came out that um, he had an injury that he was playing with, and then once he was finally like healed from that injury it wasn't until the very tail end of the season going into the playoffs so it he didn't really have the time to reacclimate himself and make himself really feel comfortable um post his injury and I, I think that made a big difference with him because of the fact that he had such confidence issues coming towards the very end of that season and, you know, with everything else that was going on, 
you know, in the world. Um, I think it it's hard for someone to focus and really be able to buy in the way that he is now that he's 100%. Um, and he is able to honestly just be able to go full throttle and feel like he's playing his, the best of his abilities in this game. And and it was funny because someone had brought it up and I and I don't remember the exact storyline from from last year, but wasn't there something about his stick as well? Uh, yeah, actually, you're right. I believe State of Hoppy brought that up to us multiple times um, uh, over the course of the playoffs. And yeah, I, I don't remember the exact story, but I think he said that he was playing with a different stick for most of the season. And so he was getting used to it because his old stick, like, went out of production, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and that didn't get talked about quite a bit. I don't, honestly, I, I think that it, it just would have been an excuse um, at that to that that's not a good excuse and Phil Kessel will admit that too like he said earlier on uh, after the game on Saturday he's like it's not an excuse that I wasn't healthy I just you know didn't didn't play well um, but yeah it's that's a, that's an interesting uh, side note there yeah no I and I and I don't particularly think that um, you know he he was ever trying to use his health as an excuse but I do say that it does, it is a big factor. You know, he wasn't playing to the, his, the fullest ability of his for a long time. Um, props to him for, you know, um, fighting it out throughout that. But um, in the same token, it still affects you and it's something that's always going to mentally kind of um, hinder your play. So the fact that he's coming back and he's coming back so strong and, and it's nice to also see the defense coming out so strong and being able to see them produce as well. I mean, um, that, that tipping goal from, um, from Saturday's game, I keep on wanting to say from today's game. Um, it basically happened because OEL put it there and he was able to tip it in. So it, between that one and the chicken goal, it was just very nice to see production from them in the fact that, you know, that is one of OEL's strong suits is that he is an offensive defenseman. He is able to produce when uh, pretty regularly, and he hasn't been. That was one of the things that we'd always said was missing from his game, and there's there's a bit of, um, of confidence, of cockiness that goes into the fact of him being able to play that style and being able to feel good about his own play and being able to kind of push that out to the rest of the group because I feel like he doesn't really do the greatest job when it comes to when he's struggling, he doesn't really um, block that off and kind of separate it from the rest of the team. So I think it's always a good thing for OEL to be um, to be producing for the team. I think it's important for anyone on the team to be producing, honestly, because um, scoring woes will happen. This was against um, the San Jose Sharks. Um, so once you get a, up against teams like uh, Vegas and especially like Colorado, you're going to start um, having to work even harder for those goals. So having production not only strongly offensively, but from um, from the defense as well is, is going to be a big deal, I think, moving forward. And I think this is the first game that they've established that all of these people can score and that um, certain lines are working 
they've actually had good looking power plays and um and really quickly I just wanna drop in their um their face off wins in the first period was sixteen out of nineteen for eighty four point two percent. This is a big deal because of the fact that the Coyotes have had face-off issues all last season. Like they, it was. I remember talking about that on the show quite a bit. You brought it up all the time. Yes, I, it was, and that's the thing is, if you are constantly in a situation where you are losing face-offs, you are constantly chasing the puck, and that is not good. It just, it's you're never going to get ahead of anything if you're constantly behind, and so. I mean, I almost feel like it, it's too simplistic to have to explain. Like, you need to be winning these face-offs. And I think it's great that that was one of the things that they had to focus on um, going into the season. And it was one of the things that, um, that as, a, as a GM, he really wanted to come in and make sure that there were people that could win these face-offs. And I think in the end that those are the small things that make a big difference. They're the things that, you know, we harp about here on the show because we're, you know, getting down to the nitty-gritties or, you know, they harp on players with, you know, um, over tape and behind-the-scenes stuff like that. But I don't think they're things that people generally think about. And it makes a, a big difference in in the pace of the game and the fact that you can essentially control it every single time you're put into the face-off circle. So I think uh, that's going to be one of the, um, the big takeaways that I take out of this is, is kind of those few things, mostly the fact that you're seeing production from the people that you need to see production from. You're getting production from the defense, which is always nice to see. Their face-off percentages are... Um, are looking great and for once i was able to send you good gifts about power plays and i haven't been able to do that in god knows how long (laughs) that's that's absolutely true but i'm glad you mentioned the face-offs i pulled up the statistics from the game on on saturday nick schmaltz won 71 percent of his face-offs christian dvorak 73 percent of his total face-offs the team as a whole won 60 percent and Rick Tockett said this he said when you win draws in the offensive end obviously it makes the other team defend but the possession time just goes up it puts stress on the other team you want to put the other team in those decision-making situations overall it was good on the face-off dot in the last couple games and considering that the Coyotes lost one of their, you know, uh, one of their centers, the big time centers, obviously, and Derek Stepan, that's a pretty big deal. And we're seeing the continual maturement of Christian Dvorak as a, as a centerman in this league. So I'm, I'm glad you, you brought that up. And that, and then going back to, you're talking about the defense too there, Corey, you know, Jacob Chikrin's got three points in two games. Albrecht Larson's got three points in two games. Um, OEL put up three points on Saturday, which is a career high. Ties a career high for him. But um, OEL got hurt on during that Saturday game. 
And I want to get your take on that hit that he took, too. Coach Chalky, after the game, didn't really seem to... Um, he, he didn't really comment on it. He said he didn't really see it, didn't get a chance to take a look at it. But in my opinion, it looked... it was That was a very dirty check, dirty hit from Evander Kane on OEL. And I was calling on Twitter that Evander Kane should get a suspension for that because it was a cross-check to the neck of Alaric Larson as he was going down. And you just can't do that. You need to have better control over your stick. Granted, OEL kind of... Got pushed down a little bit by Evander Kane going into going in for the puck in the in the Cowdery zone there, but Evander Kane's got to be smarter than that, and that was a very dangerous play. We don't know what the status is of Oliver Larson yet as of again. We're recording on Saturday night. We might know more on Sunday, and we probably will know more on Sunday from Rick Tockett once he talks to the media on Sunday. So keep an eye on on Twitter uh, from us. Um, you probably have seen it by now. But what did you make of that? That hit on Elvrick Larson for Evander Kane. I think it's difficult. That game was starting to get kind of chippy towards the end anyways, and, and Vander Kane kind of plays that type of style of game. Um, so you would kind of expect him to be a, a little bit closer to crossing the line than some other people. But um, to me, a lot of times it's very difficult difficult in a lot of situations because of the fact that you know we are able to see replays and we're able to watch these things you know slowed down and all these things but it's a very fast paced game and so sometimes you don't intentionally do things but I I do I am like and I'm as I'm I'm gonna sit here and watch this again and just to before I reaffirm what I'm saying here, it just, you can't, I agree with you in the fact that you need to be smarter than that for one, because player safety is massive. You need to be a lot more cautious about where you're putting your stick, where you're making your checks. Like I'm, I'm watching it in slow-mo right now. And honestly, it looked intentional to me, but Again, like I said, it's a fast-paced game, and you know he they they were fighting kind of back and forth there with because uh, um, with his stick. But I don't know. I I do think that in a way I'm a little bit not surprised coming from Evander Kane, and and then and that's where I might have my bias in that and so i try and not have too much bias that's why i'm like very back and forth on this because i feel like these are very um subjective um calls to make but i i i don't like it i don't like the way it looks particularly and i just don't think i think he could have been smarter about that and that what i don't understand like oel was already kind of going down at that point why he needed to add that check in there. I don't get it. But again, I I say this as someone who, you know, I don't play in the NHL, so I don't understand the gravity of the fast pace of the game. I just, I still don't particularly think I like it. And again, when you listen to this on Monday, you'll probably know more than we do as of recording time. If player safety is going to take a look at that, I have to assume they will because it was a check to the head. 
and at least I would say so. And at least take a look at it and see if it was avoidable. Because as far as I know, Evander Kane only got the the one penalty on it. He didn't get a, a major or anything like that. So it's on automatic review if it was a, a match penalty or something like that. But uh, I, I hope OEL is okay because he's gotten off to a, a very good start this year. Talking about players who feel engaged in their game, who feel like they're, they have something to prove this year. Ulrich Larson so far, seemingly is the case. I feel like he is deciding to, to shoot maybe a little bit more. He, he's only credited with four shots on goal so far this year. But... Um, I feel like he's a little bit more aggressive in terms of shooting the puck because we see, uh, we've seen him get a couple of those deflections already so far, and that's big, uh, and that's what we want to see from OEL is creating those types of plays um, in a season where I feel like he has a lot to prove. As do a lot of Coyotes this season have a lot to prove because a, a lot of guys are on contract years. You know, the, a lot of guys are are in that in that realm of, you know, are they going to take that leap to the next level of their game or not? Clayton Keller being one of them who's off to a good start this year. But I feel like, again, just kind of going back to that point of when it rains, it pours. Like, when Oliver Eckman Larson's good, when Phil Kessel is good, it, it it's contagious. And I feel like that's the thing that my biggest question mark, though, is can they sustain it? And... That's the question I have on, on Twitter. I put that out. I was like, and that was what our biggest question mark going into the season as a whole was, okay, well, if they are, if we see these players start to make some improvements to their game over last season and their production levels, they just got to do it on a more consistent basis and sustain it for an entire 56-game stretch. And that's my biggest worry right now is we are seeing – the best of Clayton Keller right now. And again, three points in two games for Clayton Keller. Like you mentioned already, shooting the puck more. They seem to have put him on a, on a better line um, right now. And to add to that, I don't know if you saw the quote I put out on Twitter from Rick Tockett after the, the first game of the season, Corey, where he's talking about Clayton Keller's game. And I think this is very telling. And this is my favorite quote so far from early on in the season. I have to scroll back through all my tweets here to find it, but I, I think this is a a very good indicator of the season Clayton Keller is about to have. Rick Tockett talking about Clayton Keller. Quote, he threw two blind passes and I had a talk with him. I got to give him credit. Maybe the last few years he wouldn't have responded well, and I thought he responded well. He's got to understand he's got to play more situational hockey. I liked his game after that mistake. And that, to me, shows a Clayton Keller that's growing up as an NHL player. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing is I Clayton Keller really kind of he he started off well had had a dip in his play and and he's coming back from that. I think there's a lot of maturity that he has had over the the last season. I would probably say is was probably a, a big maturing season for him. And so to see him moving to a whole nother level now is is a big deal because of the fact that the the organization has dedicated a lot to him and has invested a lot in him for a long period of time. So um, 
his growth is highly important to this organization's success. And so it's nice to see him maturing and being able to come into his own. I still think that there's a lot of possibilities for him in the fact that, you know, if he is placed in a situation for him to succeed, I think he can. Um, and this, I think, is the first time that we are actually able to see that in a game and be able to see him find more of a comfortability in what he's doing. I think there's a lot of times he has issues, you know, excelling and executing the way he feels comfortable and wants to. And there's a line between that and pushing him to be what the team needs him to be. There's like a fine line there. And they, I hope at least, are finding that fine line by putting him on this line, pushing him to be something more than what he is comfortable with, but then at the same time, you know, nurturing what he does best. And and that goes for anyone in life and any type of thing that you're ever in is being able to find that, that way where you are still doing your best but still pushing yourself and there's a lot more in Clayton Keller's tank it's just finding that and pushing the right buttons to get him there we still have one more player I think we want to touch on Corey and that's Barrett Hayton but before we we do that I have some numbers of Clayton Keller's that kind of backs up what we were we were just talking about here and backs up the team's performance as a whole through these first two games small sample size Yes, but it just shows you how good this team has been through two games as a whole. So there is a stat called individual expected goals. And essentially what that is, is it's an analytical stat that looks at the amount of goals you're expected to score individually. And I believe over a, a replacement player, essentially, more or less. And... Um, Connor McDavid is the leader in this category right now in the entire NHL with 1.34 through uh, two games for him. Obviously, he's the best player in the world, so that makes sense. Do you know who the three players are behind him? No idea. Second, third, and fourth in the league in terms of individual expected goals. Christian Dvorak, Clayton Keller, and Connor Garland. Clayton Keller, 0.98 individual expected goals through two games. And if you go and you look at his stats compared to previous seasons, you talked about him shooting more, Corey. His shots per 60 this year is up to the highest it's been in his entire career. Granted, again, small sample size, but just gives you an idea that if he can sustain this, to some extent at least, he's in for a good season. This year, 11.81 shots per 60. Last year was 9.68, and it was 8.58 during his rookie season where he played really well. His expected goals, his individual expected goals per 60 is 2.9 this year compared to .0.88, which was the highest of his career last year. And... Again, just a couple stats through a very short amount of time, but it just backs up what we've seen from Clayton Keller. Again, I'm going to say that word. Are we going to be able to see it for 56 games? That's the biggest question for me with this team right now. 
Well, yeah, it, and so the bright side of this is the fact that they have kind of found their stride. So, you know, there's a lot of times with this team that if they find their stride and they're able to hold on to it for about half a season and, and then they take a, a nice dip after that. So if that's the case, then they'll be able to hold out for this shortened season. If, But no matter what, you're going to have some ebbs and flows in the fact that, as you are saying, that this is a small sample size, this is a small sample size against one team, and it's against one team that no one expects to make the playoffs. So once you get into those games that are going to be much harder, much more difficult games, and we're going to see the first of which in this four-game stint against, um, I don't know why, it feels like I'm talking about baseball when I'm like, the way that they've done this <laughs> this season, it feels like... Eh, a four-game homestand. It sounds like baseball every time it comes out of my mouth. But um, but in these four games against um, against the Knights, it's going to be very telling for them, and it's also going to be very trying for them. So you know they were able to kind of gain. They started off sloppy, but gained momentum in the second half of that first game, and then in the second game they came in hot and just were able to find themselves within it. They're going to have to go through some adversity in those games against um, Vegas, and that's going to be something that they will have to deal with. And it will. this will be the first time you will all get to see whether they can deal with that adversity and take what they have um, fallen into and in the groove that they've gotten into in these first two games, if they're able to hold on to those in very tough games. Um, they, a lot of times this team in pre, like last year, especially they played a certain style when they were playing certain teams and then they left it when they weren't. And, but it's funny because it used to be that they would play their style and really just honed into their kind of happy place when they were playing teams that were really good and then they got sloppy and lazy whenever it came to um, teams that they they didn't consider to be the underdogs behind. And so it's going to be interesting to see if that at all applies, if they're going to be doing the opposite this year now that they've started out hot against a team that is not supposed to be on that same caliber or if they will step up to the occasion uh, against the Knights, which will, like I said, be be a tough matchup for them. And it will be the first time you will really get to see the weight of this team and, and how they're able to throw it around because um, Vegas will definitely throw them around. So I think this will give us a really good glimpse in the fact that the team will then have played, you know, a subpar team and then we'll have played a playoff I don't want to say contender it, it's they are going to They're be in the still playoffs a cup contender. yeah so it will definitely be able to we'll have a better look at this team basically once we get through these four games because this will show the adversity that we need to see to see if they can keep up this consistency through all different types of teams that they'll be playing. And I think this is going to be our first test of the new Bill Armstrong 
roster construction and the first test of some of Absolutely. the players that he brought in, your Tyler Pitlicks, your Drake Ajulas, your Johan Larsons, your Derek Broussards, those types of players who were really brought in to bring a different style to this team that is going to match up against teams like Vegas and is going to be a team that teams are afraid to play against. And this is going to be the first test of that. And like I said, I'm glad it's happening early on in the season because I feel like early on in the season, a lot of weird shit is going to happen as opposed to 15 games from now when Vegas is rolling and they have their, they're playing their best hockey. You get them now where they're still going to be kind of almost like, not like preseason games, I guess, but it's going to take five, six games into the season before we really start to see defenses gel like they normally do when they're rolling. Like That's why we've been seeing so many goals this year. We see it every season in the NHL where goal scoring goes up like crazy in the first four or five games of the regular season because... It's just different. It's just a different pace, and especially in their preseason this year, it's different. So I feel like the, they're going to be taking on the Knights at a good time. Now, will they be able to beat them? I, I I don't know. I don't know if they're going to be able to beat them right now. Vegas is so deep. They're so good this year. We're recording right as they are beginning um, their game against the Ducks right now. But I'm hoping they just split the series, basically. So... They take home four out of the possible eight points. And if you do that, that means your your points percentage is about, it's basically going to be about 60% through about 10% of the season. And that's good, you know, like, because by the time that series is over, we're going to be done with six games already. That's a tenth of your season. And you're getting 70% of your, you know, what, uh, basically about 70% of your points. That's good. And granted, is it going to feel differently depending on how they play? So if they win two games and they're very competitive, or if they get blown out in another game, etc., etc. But I'm glad that this team is going to get this test this early in the season. Because, like we said, it's a younger team. It's a team that is still kind of trying to figure out it, uh, this new Bill Armstrong identity. And they need to be tested early. They need to get a test like this. Because like you said, the Sharks aren't that great of a team. And they, it just seemed like easy peasy through these first two games. And they almost need a little bit of that wake-up call against the Stanley Cup contender. That's going to be like, alright guys, this is going to get only get harder from here. And I'm really excited to see these, these next four games. It's almost going to be like a playoff series. And it's going to be a... It's going to get crazy. Like... There's a little bit of rivalry between these two teams already, I think. And imagine what it's going to be by that time the fourth game rolls around. They're going to be so sick of each other. I, I hope it doesn't get dirty by the end of the, the four-game series. But that's the fun of this NHL season is we're getting these series where you're just going to be sick of teams by the end of it. Oh, yeah. that's what, They're going to be absolutely sick of them. And the fact that, like I said... Um, Vegas will throw their weight around on them. So it, it's going to get frustrating too. So it'll definitely be a test of how well this team picks themselves back up after they have gotten frustrated. It will be a frustrating series. Um, I mean, probably not as frustrated as, um, 
as the Blues are right now, losing what was it, eight to zero or they something got beat like eight that. Eight to nothing, yeah. Ah, rough. Um, but so I, I don't think it'll be that frustrating. But um, it's still going to be a, a very frustrating series for them. Um, they've added, you know, a, as you had mentioned, a, a bit of grit to this lineup, but it's still not going to be the same against certain teams like Vegas that are going to just be trying to come in and bully you, basically. And so it, it'll be interesting to see how they deal with it, and it'll be a real a first test for them. And it, like you had said, it's going to take some time for some teams to find their groove. I think it was really nice that the Coyotes, I feel like, found a groove that works for them in the second game, which was pretty quick, honestly, um, considering the fact, like you said, that they didn't have any time before this to kind of figure shit out. So it's nice that they got it together really quickly. It's just the fact of whether they can keep it and whether they can hold this, um, as you said, against a a team that's going to be significantly harder and better than um, the Scottsdale Sharks. (laughs) Uh, quickly before we we move on here to uh, random shit and an update on our swear word poll too swear word bracket that we debuted last week uh, we wanted to make sure we mentioned Baird Hayton which we talked we've talked about who we've talked about on this show quite a bit we spent a whole like 15 minutes talking about it gosh what a week and a half ago or so you and Kat spent some time talking about him. We talked about oh, yeah. how Kat and I went into a full blown like development deep dive. I don't know what what we were on that night, but we went on some like deep deep dives, like AHL level up. It was some deep stuff. So if you want to listen to that, I think that was what episode ten. Yes, exactly. It was, um, but he scored a a terrific goal right in the slot, and that was the bear. That's the bear hate we want to see, right? That. That elite level NHL shot, and that's good. Hopefully, it's only good things to come for him. Yeah, no, I I think it's kind of as Kat and I were talking about. They went through a lot of really good development on him. They didn't just throw him into this. He sh- he has been on the cusp of being really great. For a little while now, like we're, we're kind of towards the end of this last season, I was looking at him thinking there's a possibility he could come out this season and, and just kill it. It's really honestly up to him. He has I, all of the things that he needs for success. It's just whether he wants to actually go out and perform the way that he knows that he can and, and we all know he can. So um, it, it's really nice to see him producing early because that helps with that confidence boost. And I know I keep going back to confidence and all of this, but just like anything else in life, a, a little bit of confidence goes a long way. So getting getting their footing underneath them is, is a big deal and probably more than anyone um, really understands because um, it's easier to to fix things that are that are wrong when you know when you know what the right feeling is it's harder to fix something that's wrong when you don't know what the right feeling is and the fact that they have a right feeling now 
even if they go awry, they know kind of where to come back to and they have that home base. And I think for some really young kids that are trying to feel their way through this team like Hayton, that is a big deal and it'll help him going forward. One more quote from Rick Tockett and then we can wrap up the hockey portion of the show here, which is he was talking, he was asked about the offensive production this year and basically, hey, is it sustainable? And he said this, and this is this is what we're going to have to see from the Coyotes going forward, which is they are some interior goals. Phil getting that six on five in front of the in front and the deflection. Barrett getting that goal in the high slot. Last year we weren't getting in front consistently and shots in the high slot. It's hard to do it consistently. And that's the perfect encapsulation of what we're seeing from the Coyotes offense through the first two games of the season. Um, let's uh, we have some let's update our poll, Corey. I'm gonna pull it up here. We um, we put out our, our swear words bracket. Really quick, sure. really quickly before we go off of hockey, I do I would like to say there them getting chances in the high slot like was very nice to see because you just didn't really see. You saw them more trying to just kind of shove shit at the net um, a fair amount last season. And it was nice also just to see that in those situations, um, like from the the chicken goal or the OEL goal, that they were able to get so much traffic in front of the net that people were actually placed in positions where they needed to be. The fact that people weren't just wandering around in the offensive zone, they were actually uh, all participating in um, the success of uh, of a teammate being able to score a goal by creating that traffic, um, I think is something that we didn't really get to see and is something that's been missing. So that is an, another little thing. I Out of that quote, it just made me think of that so i just wanted to throw that in there really quickly before um we went into something else if you follow us on twitter at cory underscore ridgy show we hope you voted in our first matchup of our history of swear words inspired bracket competition of our favorite cuss words uh the first matchup was was earmuffs everybody earmuffs Okay, the first matchup was fuck versus pussy. It took us 45 minutes to cuss, so usually we usually we get to the cussing earlier in the show. I don't think I think I, I said fuck earlier. So. All right, close enough. Uh, f- yeah, fuck me, right? Fucking pussy. Fuck one with 93% of the vote, obviously, because that was the clear number one seed. So, if you go onto our Twitter right now, you can probably vote in our second matchup. Which is going to be bitch versus dick. That's going to be our second matchup. That's a close matchup. Not going to be as big a runaway as the first matchup. Uh, my favorite. Oh my gosh. I usually don't use either of those. Other than saying son of a bitch a lot. Um, what were they again? They were bitch and what? Bitch and dick. Bitch and dick. Uh-huh. I mean... um. You don't ever call someone a dick. You're such a dick. No, I'm a more of an asshole guy. Oh, it's just an asshole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that, that makes sense. Well, I mean, you're dick. That's rude. 
How rude. That's gotta that's gotta count for something. You are you are literally Dick Flores. Yes. yes. <laughs> so that's gotta count for something. So wait, so does that mean if people are counting for the uh, are voting for the word dick, they're actually voting for you? They're voting for the name, not the word. Maybe. Maybe. That's the beautiful thing about this poll is it could be whatever you'd like it to be. So you can uh, yeah, go vote right now. At Corey underscore Richie show, I think it should be up by now. At least if you're listening to us on Monday, uh, our our next comp- our next matchup before we get to the finals coming up here sooner rather than later. Okay, are you ready to wrap up the show with some random shit, Corey? Yes. We got some good stories this week. I gotta pull them up first because uh, we have a cu- we had a couple left over from the last show that I wanted to get to that I didn't get a chance to get to. Uh, on on the Thursday episode. Um, yeah, because we had to talk about Danish? Was it a Danish show? Yes. yes. Oh, fuck, I keep on forgetting. Yes, um, we had to talk about a, a Danish show. If you want to listen to why we had to talk about a Danish show, um, listen to our last episode. Um, very strange. Very, very strange. And it, it took up a lot of time which meant that we didn't get to our other random shit stories. But that was a random shit story in its own, so. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, let's begin with with this. Let's go to Canada, everybody, up in Quebec. Those fucking weirdos. Um, <laughs> as the coronavirus pandemic continues, many places around the world are introducing tougher restrictions in a bid to reduce the spread of... The virus. In Quebec, a four-week-long curfew has been implemented which requires residents to stay in their homes from 8 p.m. in the evening until 5 a.m. in the morning. There are a few exemptions to the rule for essential workers who need to travel and also for those who need to walk their dogs. Corey, I do not think you are ready for the turn this takes. This is I, this is a bit. This is like a um, an intense. This is like an M Night Shyamalan level twist ending coming to this story. I'm so nervous right now. I'm also thinking that we got to do this sometime on an after hours. Have you throw some random shit stories on people on after hours? So I'm not the only one that has to react to these things. All right, I'm I'm really nervous, but like, okay, and please, no dogs die in this. No, right? no, no, no dogs die. In fact, this doesn't involve any dogs at all, which is the best okay. part of the story. You just left off on walking your dog, and I was like, no, please don't do anything to the dogs. Okay. One woman reportedly attempted to use the latter exemption for her own benefit shortly after the curfew came into effect. A local newspaper reports that a woman was fined after being stopped in Sherbrooke for walking her partner on a leash. They claim that the woman told police she was just walking her dog. Uh, the couple did not collaborate with the police. Uh, <laughs> she said she wanted. The lady said she wouldn't pay the fine. Uh, <laughs> which it could be up to six thousand dollars. So she tried to get around. Just so we're clear here, she tried to get around the rule by walking her boyfriend with a leash. 
That's a whole new definition of, of being whipped. Um, wow. Wow. Um, I don't even know what to start with there. I feel like there's so many different routes you could take this down. Um, and also, like, so was he, like, on a leash? Like, had a collar and everything? That's what it, that's what it seems like from according to this. Okay, so what um, what what weird sex shit are you guys into? If you've got a human-sized um, collar and leash just laying around, first of all, um, second of all, <laughs> who thought that was gonna work? That's like the people who put like a stuffed animal in their passenger seat who, um, you know, are on the freeway and they're like, oh yeah, I'm gonna use the HOV lane because, you know, I, I have a stuffed animal in my passenger seat. No one's going to think that the stuffed animal is another human being. The cop's still gonna pull you over anyways and give you a big-ass fine. Just sit and fuck ton of traffic like the rest of us. But, like, how did she think that that was going to be, like, okay? They weren't, weren't going to be like, ah, oh, yeah... Uh, yeah, I don't get it. I I have many many questions about this. Now it doesn't say whether or not like what's going to happen here, uh, other than she probably has to pay this this fine for being out afterwards. But wait, she said so. She said she wasn't going to pay the fine. She said she wasn't so, going to pay the fine. Yeah. So does this mean she is going to go into court? So like, because she won't pay the fine, she'll have to be like. Um, not not a sentence, but like she'll she'll be asked to come to court, and um, then she's probably gonna have to like plead her case. And what is her case going to be? I was walking my boyfriend, so I should not have to pay this fine. She's gonna try. Probably not gonna work. Yeah, that's that's a whole other level of what the fuck are you doing with your life? <laughs> Alright, I got one more before we get out of here. Now, I originally had to plan to do a different story here, but uh, it made me uncomfortable reading it. Um, I will share it with you after we get off the air. Um, so that should ex yeah. kind of explain where we're going with that. Usually, these stories make probably make you uncomfortable hearing them. But this particular story that I'm deciding not to do made me uncomfortable to talk about on this show, so we're not going to talk about it. Instead, we're going to talk about this one, which is hilarious. Um, a woman has revealed she was shamed by her neighbors for, quote, screaming like a pig during sex. The woman from the UK explained that after a night of passion, she re received... An angry note from one of her neighbors, sharing a picture of the handwritten letter to Twitter. It read, Can you please stop screaming like a pig when you are shagging? We are all sick of it. Signed, neighbors. They said shagging? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm literally crying over here from laughing. Oh, I'm, I was laughing really hard at that one. Um... Okay, so she was squealing like a pig. Oh god, I wish, um, when we were recording this, uh, 
Richie and I are on the phone, so uh, I can't pull it up, but I would I would love to pull up the sound of what a pig is. So the fact that they... <laughs> I just don't... It's, it's, a, it's a, like a nasally snorting device, so like how that comes out of somebody in that situation is, is one question. The second one is um, how close are those neighbors or how loud is she? Like, is this an apartment type situation? Is it like she's in her own house and her neighbors could still hear? Is the window open? Is the window closed? How fucking loud are you? And um, why is that necessary? And also to... All great questions of which I don't think we quite know the answers to. So many questions. Yeah, uh, that's that's something interesting. I I do say go go and look up what a, a pig's noise is because um, that just makes this whole thing really funny. But that's the way they decide to describe it. I'm I'm not sure how I would feel if my neighbors um, did yes. that. And then she what posted this online after? Damn, good for her. What what? confidence you've got to have with yourself and your sex life to be able to just like try and publicly shame these people after that the way they described it. Good for her. So there that you go, Sporting Nation. That has been our shit. random shit for this week. The Coyotes, three points out of a possible four in their first two games, taking on the Vegas Golden Knights for a four-game set. Coming up next, starting, of course, on the road in Vegas. Do you have any last words before we go, Corey? <laughs> I, All right, we will talk to you again on Thursday, Sporting Nation. So, no, I've good got night nothing. and good hockey, everybody. What is up, everybody? Mikey CLT here from Bar Down Breakdown. Letting you know that our 100th episode is going to be dropping exclusively on the Hockey Podcast Network on January 27th. We will be joined by special guest Derek from the amazing pop punk band State Champs. Make sure you subscribe and follow us on all our socials so you do not miss any of our amazing episodes. We are so pumped that we have made it to episode 100. And to thank you, we are running an Instagram contest where one lucky winner can win a Steez brand snapback hat. So head over to our Instagram and enter our contest. Also, if you are just hearing about Bar Down Breakdown, make sure you go and check out our 99 other episodes where we have had artists who have been nominated for Grammys, all the way down to artists who are unsigned, where we dive into the crossover between alternative music and hockey. So make sure you go and check out Bar Down Breakdown wherever you listen to podcasts. Brought to you exclusively by the Hockey Podcast Network.